covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in, fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman in here, as always, alongside my good buddy, pal, co-host, and very much thrilled Jacksonville Sharks fan, Jim Mernier. Jim, welcome into the show. Jim, it's game week. We're no, it's right not. Here. Yes, it is. Game it week. Is? Yes, hey, it is. Need... No, it's not. Come it on. Can't be. Take it's a been... look at. It's been months. It's been years. It's been 84 years as the character from Titanic. Yes, it's game week, but unfortunately, it's the rivalry week this week. You have the Empire reign beginning, and you get the showdown in or- in San Antonio. So, yes, it's game week, but also I got to do this. This is YouTube traditional. Hey, hello, YouTubers. There you go. Um, <laughs> to the people on the podcast, just get on YouTube because I don't know about you guys. You know, last week we were two-minute warning, like a two-minute warning, power deer, two-week warning. We're getting excited. There's so much stuff we got to talk about this week after our huge guest that joins us today and a huge announcement that he'll be making. Um, what a way to kick off the 2022 season with Commissioner Chris Siegfried, with our power ranking, so people in San Antonio can get mad at us, whatever, or <laughs> Orlando. You're not going to lie, whatever. Um, but still, it's game week. Or even Albany fans, you don't know. You know, our power rankings may change. It's game week. So get ready because we dropped a hype video earlier this week. Thank you for the support. Last week's podcast, boom. You guys love us. We love you. We appreciate you. And what we had today to join us today for a podcast of Chris Commission Chris Sigbury. I'm still kind of jittery from it. Um, it's something that me and Zach has strived to get. And we've been quiet about it for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and we can't wait for Chris to say it. And honestly, it's game week. I don't know what you want to do. You want to like lean up to Chris or just go with a Chris Sigfrey interview so we can talk about week one next, because there's a lot of stuff he talks about in this interview, like well, a let, ton of stuff. I was going to say, let, let's just go right in, you know, and lead into him. So, you know, a lot of, a lot of things have been said about, Iron Man being the big new thing in town, we've said it mm-hmm. on the show, and we really wanted Chris on to ex- explain not only give, of course, a kind of like state of the league, like uh, what's going on with the NAL going into this season, first year back or first full season back without COVID issues in a few years, but you know, just to give us, especially myself, a little mm-hmm. schooling on Iron Man, and even uh, you know, I'm sure I'm keeping on track with my terminology is. He, as Jim here knows from our discussion. So, um, yeah, let's just uh, get ready to this. Take it away. Guys, we're happy to say here is Commissioner Chris Siegfried as our special guest this week on Inside the Walls. Joining us today on the Inside the Walls podcast, man, we we have the pleasure of being joined uh, by arguably our most prolific guest yet on this show. It is the National Real League Commissioner himself, Chris Siegfried, joining us for this edition of inside the walls the basically the kickoff to the season edition for 2022 uh commissioner how you doing um things i assume are a little hectic going into kicking off what is now a full out of a shortened year type of season for 2022 man you know guys i am so excited not only for you guys you know joining us as the official podcast of the nao but 
but bringing back Ironman football for, for 2022 and beyond, I, I, I am so excited about this season. It's beyond words. I mean, uh, coached the game for a long time. And when, when the powers that be took away Ironman football, it took a piece of the history of the game. So I, I can't tell you how excited I am for 2022. Uh, it was uncomfortable for a lot of people in our league and outside the league that didn't understand it when, when it all went down. But I've been pushing for this from, from day one. So I'm super excited. You know, Chris, I think this is just might as well jump right into it. The big, the big thing in the room for 2022, obviously. So kind of stroll back a few months here, go back all the way to uh, October, the scene set. Iron Man is announced back in the league officially via the national arena league. And, you know, people had some words. We've, we've had our opinions change about it since. Um, and this is kind of the show when we were setting this up with you, we, I myself want to get more on Iron Man. You know, this is for me, this is very much a curious season because I'm used to the, what I know from Marina, which is more just everyone specialized their position this year. It's yeah, two per side, a bunch of people swapping around and you're the perfect guy just from your past being in the game to, to kind of give us the rundown. So, if you like to, this is your chance to tell us all here about the Iron Man game. Yeah, let's do it. So let's let's let me preface it by this, right? So in the past few years, since we started in in late 2016, really our first season was 2017, but everything got consummated in 2016. Uh, but since we started this, you know, we've had various people in other leagues wanting to join combined forces and all this other stuff. And they're talking about this way of playing, that way of playing. So when I look at the game in general, I look at being more unique, more different. I feel like fans, you know, we've got college football, which to me is the, all, the best, right? I love college football. And the NFL, I, I love – I don't love like an NFL team, but I love players. I love the stories of the NFL. They're the greatest athletes in the world, in my opinion, right? Sure. So the spring leagues, the outdoor game, the spring leagues never seem to work because for various reasons, the NFL doesn't need them. They've got college football. They don't need a spring league. And it's very hard to compete with the NFL. It's a, it's a juggernaut of a business, right? Oh, yeah. But what always seems to work in the off season of different leagues is a different version of the game, right? So we don't want to play the same game indoors. Like we want to be more unique. So Iron Man gives us the opportunity to be totally unique, right? Uh, guys in the NFL, great, best players in the world, right? Best athletes in the world. But some of them are so specialized. Let's say a left tackle. He, he can't necessarily turn around and play defensive end. You know, the guys in our league have to be versatile, have to be great athletes. And it is different. It is unique. We're not trying to compete with the NFL. Mm -hmm. But we are, in my opinion, the best version of indoor slash arena football in the world. Our game is different and unique. You can't just plug and play a, a, a zone read type quarterback in our game. You have to be able to throw the ball. So... The other styles that the other leagues play, I, I don't have any issues with them other than the fact that we want to be more different. You know, uh, sure. guys always say, well, the X's and O's, the X's and O's. And I'm like, and they try to tell me because I'm a former coach, the, the X's and O's, you get to do so much in this, this league. I mean, that's great. 
All I care about is the fans and the entertainment value. So that's one thing to talk about Ironman football. But let's dive into the actual the way the game is played because I've had a lot of NAL players reach out to me individually, whether it's been through texting or, or Facebook Messenger or whatever. Uh, and they're like, well, I'm going to play twice as many of the plays because you got to be playing offense, defense, whatever. I'm like, and I tell them, you're not playing twice as many plays. It's, it's about Ironman is, is a term that developed because guys are playing both offense and defense. They're not playing the whole game. Offensive players are going to play, you know, probably 70% offense, 30% defense. And defensive players are going to play 70, 30 defense offense. Sure. It has to do with the substitutions. So here's the simplest way to explain substitutions for Ironman football. If you're, you have two specialists, right? Okay. A quarterback and a receiver is traditionally, you have two offensive specialists, two defense specialists. The other six players play both offense and defense and special teams. If you start the quarter, you can come out and come back in. If you don't start the quarter, once you come out, you're dead for the quarter. Okay. So the term Ironman just comes, come, you know, is developed because, you know, you're, you got to play offense and defense. And, and, and Ironman is an endearing term for us. But the reality of it is about substitutions. So – I tell coaches all the time when they call me, it's like, hey, you know, when they're when they're talking about, well, how would you do this? How would you do that? I'm like, you wanna, you wanna, it's like a pitch count. You wanna monitor your your players' pitch count. Cause in the fourth quarter, when you need your studs, you need to keep them fresh, right? You don't want to wear them out in the first three quarters. Exactly. For the fourth quarter. So so our game becomes less about X's and O's and more about managing the clock, managing your players, managing your roster. And then if you get an injury, you've, you've got to work your way around that. So it's just – it's a different way of playing the game. It's a game that I grew up on. I was a rookie in 1992 with the Orlando Predators. Granted, I rode the bench the whole year because I had a bunch of studs in front of me. But my pastor is a guy by the name of Herky Walls, who is a, an arena football legend here in Orlando. Mm -hmm. You know, I met with him yesterday, and he's so excited about the game because Ironman came back and – all these legends of the games, Hunky Cooper, you know, uh, Barry Wagner, all these guys that yeah. we grew up watching are legends, not because they were one-sided players, although there's some great one-sided players, Jay Gruden, you know, uh, to, to, to name one of the quarterbacks. But the fans fell in love with these guys that were able to play offense, defense, special teams. They were able to do everything. Barry Wagner got a chance with the uh, Chicago Bears because of his versatility you know, mm -hmm. on special teams and, and defense. He was a receiver. So you have all these storylines with guys being able to play multiple positions. And, and you know, I know I'm kind of going off off, off the, the beaten path here, but I just I just love the way the game is played. And I, now I'll say we have a current player in our league uh, who plays for Albany. He happens to be a very, very, an incredibly talented receiver, uh, you know, Got a cup of coffee in the NFL. Uh, his mm -hmm. name, his name is very. Uh, uh, he's got a great name. I'll just tell you, it's Darius Prince. Oh, oh yeah, I, mean, I, was, I was about to say, gee, I wonder who. It could be. Uh, now Darius reached out to me and was like, "Man, I got to play double the plays." You know this, that, and the other thing, and you know he's talking about you know we need more money, blah blah blah. And and I always tell players, there's not enough money that we could pay you. The owners, there's not enough money that we could pay you 
to be worth your time because these players are unbelievably talented players. And I'm, I'm giving mm -hmm. Darius Prince as an example. This kid is, he's an incredible talent. He's made some catches, like even in championship game last year, he made a couple catches that I was just like, man, this, this kid is unbelievable. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, so he's primed for being like your offensive specialist type of receiver, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say, once he starts playing the game, he's going to be begging his coaches to play some defense at some point in time. Now, whether or not they, the coaches let him do that or not, I don't know, because Darius Prince is just an incredible athlete. He's one of many. He's not the only one out there. I'm using him as an example just because Albany won the championship last year. He's a, you know, I don't know if there's any receivers better than him right now. He's very, very good. And I'm not trying to disrespect any other receivers because there's a lot of great ones out there, but, but he is a marquee receiver. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I just think he is a guy that, that once he plays the game, a few games, he's going to fall in love with it. And, and, if, and if not, I'll, I'll, I'll have egg on my face. For sure. I'll, I'll, t I'll tell you what, you're going to get a good kick out of this from uh, our last show when we had Lonnie outlaw from the predators on. And yeah. one of the things he mentioned with iron man, he's like, I want to get out there and I want to face Darius one-on-one -on -one. <laughs> and, you know, see who he too. you wish for. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for. And his exact quote from Lonnie Outlaw is like, he don't want that fiddle. That's his exact quote. The dude is a, just a, he's an incredible athlete in himself. I mean, he's, what is he? Six, 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 seven. I mean, yeah. You know, when, when I was coaching, uh, I remember I had a squad in Arkansas in 08 or 09. I think it was 2009 my shortest receiver was six, four. And uh, when you have big receivers like that, it, it makes play call. I mean, it makes the offensive coordinator, which was myself at the time. It, ma it makes you seem really smart when all you have to do is throw the ball up because guys, six, oh, yeah. four, six, five, six, <laughs> right. Lonnie Outlaw is that type of player. I mean, he is just, he's long, he's lengthy, he's lengthy, lanky, you know, there's not a lot of DBs that can cover, six six i mean it is what it is i mean you just throw the ball up and it's a mismatch you know so mm -hmm. uh, but yeah i mean someone like lonnie i mean i would say down in the red zone he would probably do pretty good against darius prince out in the open field i i don't know <laughs> i mean <laughs> darius is pretty good you know what i mean <laughs> oh yeah without a doubt I, I would I think for like me and Jim, we want to see, you know, some guys that maybe aren't not exactly fish out of water, but like they're, they're curious enough to get in and do this if they're not say a specialty player or they aren't designated yeah. to just be the one side. And, you know, for myself, I'm me being the newer fan in the room here, you know, the strategy is what I look for. You're talking about, you know, coaches having to play time management and what, and who goes in, who goes out, you know, making sure that who's on, who was on the bench to start the quarter, who wasn't, you know, right. you're tracking dead players. Like that part of it, like for, in terms of the football chess match that sometimes is talked about with the outdoor game, it's like you turn that up to 11 a little bit with how you have to do that because you not only are taking on the defensive strategy on the opposite side or vice versa, but then you have to also count and play the game between yourself and the other side on how your rosters are being balanced throughout the entire contest. Absolutely. You know, so we, we actually will be hiring. Well, we've hired, we're going to have two substitution officials at, okay. at the home venue, one for the home team, one for the visiting team. 
But most teams, if they're smart, they're going to have a coach that's dedicated to monitoring their their roster to make sure they know who's dead and who's not dead. When I say dead, I it sounds bad when people that aren't familiar with our game, the players turn dead. it on right now. You know, <laughs> some context might be needed a few seconds. Dead back. for the quarter. <laughs> well, when he came back, he's still alive. He's not dead, like not heartbeat dead. But I mean, you know, when I say a player's dead, that means he's ineligible for the rest of the quarter. So for all those people that get offended by that so uh but so so there'll be a substitute a, a substitution official hired by the league not by the team okay. that's going to be monitoring the substitutions but it is up to the team to be able to monitor that monitor that so uh basically each team is going to be uh designating five specialists two defensive specialists two offensive specialists and, and their kicker right, right. so on, on all series, offense, defense, and special teams, you're going to have six two-way players and two specialists, right? Offensive specialists can only play offense and special teams. Defensive specialists can only play defense and special teams. For example, Team A, you know, uh, San Antonio goes down, they're playing Orlando this week. They go down and they score a touchdown, and their kicker comes in for one of their offensive specialists, and – Either a defensive specialist comes in to hold or maybe the other offensive specialist comes in. He, either he's a holder, maybe he's a snapper, whatever. So you're always going to have those two specialists in. So, uh, But the other, you know, the 21-man roster, you know, 16 guys are considered two-way players or Ironman players. So teams are going to have to monitor, okay, am I addressing an extra fullback linebacker? Am I, am I addressing an extra O-line, D-line, an extra receiver, DB? there's value in guys that can play multiple zip positions. If you're a player, okay, I'm, I'm going to throw Darius Prince out there again. You know, sure. if you're a Darius Prince and you can't, and you're terrible on special teams and you're terrible on defense, well, you be, you better be very, very good at receiver. Now I'm using him as an example, because obviously he's very, very good at receiver, regardless of what he does everywhere else. He's got value on offense, but now let's say you're a player let's say you're maybe the third best receiver on the team and maybe you're the third best db and maybe you're a pretty good special well there's a value in that guy because you're very you're not very very good at any one thing but you're really really good at everything that you do so it's it's a different way of recruiting players and there's value and versatility with your with your ability to do multiple positions Jim, I kind of want to get your your point on this here and then hear from the commissioner on this because I'll tell you, out of all the spots on the rot on the at least in terms of both sides of the main portions of the ball, I'm not talking special teams here, uh, no offense, but offensive and defensive, I think the one I want to look for for hybrid player that's not a specialist that intrigues me most is who fits best at the receiver Mac linebacker position. You know, or those uh, for example, the like fullback jack linebacker ones, you know. Right, Those Zach, are the ones to on. me that you intrigue. can't go any further without me correcting you. I apologize. So that's fine. The Mac linebacker is the blitzing linebacker, right? So that's your fullback Mac, right? Correct. So you'll have a receiver that plays the Jack linebacker, which is typical, which is the weak linebacker, the linebacker that can't blitz that can play sideline to sideline. So sorry, I, I'm not trying to be rude. I just oh, want no. to make sure I correct you. I don't want you to go on air and, and, Hey, he's the Mac linebacker, and you're talking about Lonnie Outlaw playing receiver Jack linebacker, right? Uh, so no, that's fine by me. <laughs> you know, 
But yeah, Zach, we have a saying on our show, man. I understand that. Don't be a jack out of the box, man. I understand Don't that. Be a jack out of the box, yeah. Uh, That's good. So speaking of rules, just so people are aware, the, the rules of our game are not changing at all. The regular, the playing rules, the overtime rules, they're not going to change at all. The only one change that we made was the substitution. So when when people come to our games that that love our games in the past, they're going to see the same game. And then they're going to start to understand the substitution. And that's going to take a little bit of time, right? So we're fortunate with all six head coaches in our league have experience either playing the game or coaching the game when it was Ironman football, which is an interesting uh, situation to be in. I don't know that any single coach has an advantage over the other. I mean, a lot of teams are going to look at San Antonio and thinking, oh, expansion team, they're, you know, they're going to get beat up, whatever. Fred Shaw was a pretty darn good football player right. back in Iron Man days. I don't know if any other coaches realize that, but he was very, very good. So he understands the game. So, and I'm actually going to go to that San Antonio Orlando game. So uh, okay. I'm excited about that. Now, speaking of Orlando, what, what's interesting about Orlando, uh, my rookie season was 1992. I came down to Florida, tried out for the Predators, made the team, never saw the field, but I was at least on the team, right? So mm-hmm. Herky Walls was the offensive specialist in 1992. He's a dear friend of mine. He's, he's my pastor. Uh, he's a great person. His son is actually uh, on the Orlando Predators, Caleb oh. Wall. And yeah. – uh, I don't know if he's playing this weekend or not, uh, but I'm, I'm, it's kind of, well, number one, it makes me feel old that, you know, a, a former teammate son is on the, on the team. Right, right. But I'm excited because we're starting to see this, the next generation of these players uh, starting to play this game. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to see how Caleb Walls does. And I, and I hope you – know, Part of me feels like I don't want him to watch this podcast because I don't want to put any additional pressure on him, but he's a great kid. He's, he's about four inches taller than his father. <laughs> so <laughs> we were talking about that yesterday. He's like six one. I'm like, he's a, he's a nice size kid, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm, I'm anxious to see him play this weekend as well. Wow. That's gotta, that's gonna be weird. I mean, helpful at least for adapting, <laughs> adjusting the game. It's so in his blood so hopefully right. as well, you know, uh, but I'm excited about it. Yeah. And actually, yeah. the head coach of, Or- of Orlando used to play for me. So now that doesn't necessarily translate into good coaching. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great dude. Uh, and, and I, you know, obviously I hope he does well just because he's a personal friend of mine. Uh, but, you know, as a commissioner, I hope every team does well in our league. You know, I'm, I'm, I always root for the home team, which is, you know, I'm not rooting against Orlando. You know what? I'm not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get coaches called. You're like, what no, do you right? mean? You're not rooting for us. I've got, I've got multiple, I've got multiple former players as coaches of Orlando. So if they don't go undefeated <laughs> and win the championship, what does that make me? Oh yeah, right. Well, and Higg- well Higgins. I mean, Iron Man of the former Iron Man of the Year as well. So like, it just yeah. fits the bill. <laughs> well, you got EJ Burt, who EJ Burt played his rookie season for me in 19. Uh, I'm sorry, in 2002, uh, E.J. Burt uh, is is probably still the all-time leading sack 
man in the history of professional football. He had 27 and a half sacks in one season playing AF2 football in North Carolina at the Cape Fear Wildcats. That was uh, 2002. And what an incredible athlete he was. And what, their DB coach is Kenton Rickerson, who was my middle DS back then. And this guy was just a savage hitter. Uh, he's actually a state state trooper down here in Florida and in, in, uh, Daytona. He hasn't pulled me over yet, so that's a good thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, I want to see those guys do well because they're my former players, but, uh, you know, but I also want to see San Antonio do really well because they're an expansion team, and uh, I'm super excited about them. I, I, I think they're going to probably be better than what people think, but I, I don't know what to expect because I'm not really familiar with their roster. I'm not really familiar too much with Orlando's roster either. Well, I know for sure with uh, for with us, that's uh, when it comes to San Antonio, we are both excited and curious. And actually, I think Jim is a perfect time for us to segue yourself. Just kind of, you know, just kind of talk at least expectations for the year getting into that because i mean the big wild card you know besides iron man the gunslingers joined in the season to help reround the league back out to six teams for this year you know um going back but obviously future plans and things like that we are looking into the into this but for the now you know we have at least a little movement out west and a exciting future out in you know you know western texas absolutely so, no, we're excited about it. We're, we're talking to a number of different potential expansion teams. Uh, I think the primary focus is, number one, make sure that the current teams in our league are solid ownership groups. Uh, you know, obviously, when you have some historically great franchises like Jacksonville Sharks, Albany Empire, Orlando Predators, you can build a league around those teams. Uh, Carolina is, the, you know, the Carolina Cobras were, were an old AFL team located in Raleigh. Now they're located in Greensboro and they are gaining some traction up there in North Carolina. Greensboro is just a fantastic city. I've got a lot of, uh, a lot of relatives up there. I love Greensboro. Oh yeah. Columbus. I mean, w- what can you say about Columbus? Columbus is one of those franchises that just is like, they just, they're just never bad. They're mm-hmm. always good. They're, they're kind of in, in one way they're kind of a prototypical type of franchise they're a small market team in the big scheme of things but they just do a fantastic job with with everything they do they they make the most out of uh their their market and uh san antonio is a great market itself and uh i I love the ownership group a lot of enthusiasm i went out there for their uh announcement of their team and it was first class all the way so uh i'm just i'm excited about them With that said, you know, one of my primary goals for our league is to really we want to solidify the East Coast and we want to start to uh, we how do I want to say this? The central time zone is one that we we want to target. Ah, okay. We're not necessarily trying to go out west now. Right. You know, arena football versus the other style of football has always been big on the East Coast. You've had a few teams out West here and there that have done well with this game, but but we are an East Coast dominated league. So we would like to build this league around the teams that we have right now and and just see where it goes. But it starts with with the ownership. And we've got six very, 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 very good ownership groups that we're, we feel really good about it. We, we're not going to be canceling games this year, God willing. So, 
<laughs> yes. Hopefully, hopefully we will. It doesn't look like we're going to be seeing the same thing we had to do with the the quick flip around for yeah. week one that you got, that unfortunately you guys had to have last year. Well, I mean, this year we're 100 percent capacity all throughout the league, so yeah. we're not restrictions like we were all last season. Like in the Albany, they went from flying on a plane without wearing a mask on Friday. That should be nice. Oh, yeah, the, same for me. <laughs> funny, well, over the weekend for me, funny enough too. So, <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it's exciting. You know, you know. <laughs> You know, people ask me a lot about like, like this outdoor spring league that's happening, and I'm like, I, I think any any football leagues out there are good for players, right? Good, mm-hmm. continue to comp- play, but but I just love our brand. Our owners love this style of football, and I just think that we're we're poised to make a resurgence and and bring back the. Uh, just the excitement of the the mid to late nineties of how it was just, it was just running rampant arena football was running rampant back in the nineties. And, and I think we can bring that back. And I think the fans are going to fall in love with it. And we listen to our fans and, and a lot of them are very opinionated, good and bad. And, uh, but we hear what they say. And our goal is all always about entertaining our fans and giving them more, more value for their money. So I just believe in this style of football, and I think people want to see high scoring, the ball in the air, passing, passing football, and and the Iron Man is just uh, adds another wrinkle to it that I think fans are just going to fall in love with. It's going to take them a few weeks to get used to it, and that's okay. Maybe it's uncomfortable to some, but I will tell you this: the the fans that saw the game back in the day when it was Iron Man are so excited. I, I mean, old school arena football players have been reaching out to me like crazy. Like, I can't believe you guys are coming back to Ironman. And that's what I grew up on. And, and I'm just super excited about it. I, I think it's the best thing we could have done. Well, to me, that's gotta be awesome. I'll tell you one thing, and at least on the fan side, you know, I, uh, me and Jim both know plenty that, you know, Jim, of course, being back from at least, you know, the, the glory days of, of like the high AFL on broadcast TV type of era, you know, myself, I talked to folks that, you know, they've seen it through the nineties and all that. And it's just like, uh, you know, I look back at some of the old stats of how the league, of how that league grew, how the interest grew and how now it's just like trying to see which, who can take a foothold and get the sport back to where it's in a prominent stance with the public. And I'm thinking like you guys, I like your style. So like, that's why I went this direction. Why I like the NAL. Cause it reminds me of what I enjoyed about, arena football and it's and looking back on it and seeing what made it good, you know, and what is making it coming back to being that. I agree with you hundred percent, you know, uh, in addition to the substitution rules or Ironman rules, I mean, we did something else that's, you know, I, I, I wouldn't call, I don't think it's a big deal, but you know, we no longer have any kind of salary restrictions. Right. We have no salary cap. We have been the highest paid indoor slash arena football league, at least on paper. Uh, but, you know, when, when the owners and I met and we talked about salaries and we're talking about, you know, why even restrict it? You know, now the great the, the crazy thing is salaries haven't got out of hand in our league, you know, uh, because. I've always told the owners and the teams, you know, you, you want to run your team like any other business, you know, sure. and, and as we grow, the players will be able to grow with us. And and we want our players to be invested in their teams. Like, of course, 
all the players want to get to the highest level of the NFL. And, and there's no, no denying that. And, and we encourage that. But while they're here, we want them to do everything they can to promote themselves, to promote the team. And, uh, you know, teams are able to set their own budgets and their own pay scales. So we don't have any restrictions like some of the other leagues. And, uh, you know, uh, it's exciting. You know, I, I feel like we have the best we, – we definitely have the best quarterbacks in all of indoor football as far as passing the ball. Maybe not – we might not have the best read option quarterbacks, but we definitely have the best passing quarterbacks. Oh yeah. And players that have come from other leagues into our league they're I think they're blown away with, with how good our guys are. So uh, I'm just excited about it. You know, we're, we're the premier arena league in the world at this point in time. So let's see where it goes. Should be a fun time, fun time there. I mean, this that's the thing. And Jim, I, I know you, I'm, I'm curious to see what your sim, some of are the same way, but like, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, now getting myself adjusted to the Iron Man announcement, now seeing how we've gotten the off season to go so well, you know, some of the new pieces of it and just uh, what we can look forward to now with the year fully in place. Again, got to stress last year with just being 10 games and having to just, you know, with some restrictions with all the stadiums, it'll be so nice to see some places especially like the likes of like Albany and some of the more other East coast spots getting full capacity, more fans come back in. Like Jim, I know you are the same way as me with that. Well, you know, it's going to be about 8,000 Jackson from last time we checked. Albany's ticket sales are going good. Columbus's ticket sales are doing good. So the excitement is there for the inner cities. And like Chris and like myself, I remember back in the early 2000s where you go down to the jungle in Orlando that's 20,000 plus like that place is packed um, I want arena football to get back to that the problem is is we got to sell the product to the people out there say so arena is not dead because I see it everywhere on social media that's arena crazy. football is dead AFL is dead no it's not dead the National Arena League is arena football without the arena AFL tagline so it's our job to yeah, we're carrying the torch now, and it's our job as fans and our job as a league to say, hey, we're here. This is our game. We're basically the AFL, but we're now just in National Arena League, and you can sell it, see that in the teams in the, in the league with ticket sales. So people are – the leagues are – the teams are doing well, and I'm excited. That's I want arena football to be back like it was in 2000s because there wasn't no USFL. There wasn't no XFL. There was arena football league. That was your spring football. Yeah, you had some questionable owners back then, and – kind of you know play football inside of, you know houses john elway and my joey but oh, uh but yeah but um i'm not going there i'm not going there. <laughs> yeah, i can go put, there put you that can. response out of there <laughs> but but the national for the people who are listening to our podcast for the first time this is arena football right. iron man is arena football and yeah we don't have the afl tag yeah the fields are still around you can look at other leagues or fields are so everywhere but we are a national arena league arena is key for the love of arena that's why i want to do this podcast and that's one thing i promote i love this game and i'm so mad that it doesn't get the respect that it's due especially in the in the other leagues where they get opportunities to get drafted and they're like oh you play in that league you're not gonna do well like kurt warner one of the greatest ever quarterbacks of all time in the arena game gets asked all time and his in his his past they always avoid the barnstormer era, which irritates the heck out. It's like that's where he made his name. 
arena is that type of game. That's the sport that I love, and that's the sport that I hope we can get it back to. And yeah, I'm happy that Jacksonville's a part of it, <laughs> so I can at least enjoy the game. <laughs> and to piggyback on what Jim just said, you know, uh, you know, I live outside. I live in the Orlando area, uh, mm-hmm. not not in Orlando, but but nearby. And everybody knows who the Orlando Predators are. But there's so many people that don't realize that they are still playing. So it's like every time I go out, I have to say, yeah, well, we're, they're still playing. They're in the National Arena League. They're playing it. Where are they playing it? They're playing at the Amway Arena. And they're like, oh, really? That's awesome. So everybody just, you know, has to continue to get the word out there. Because when, when the, the Arena Football League went through their bankruptcy, for a lot of people, it, it just died. Yes. And they don't realize that it's still back. So for us, it was very, very important to, to make sure that we had some of those staple teams, Jacksonville Sharks, Orlando Predators, the Albany Empire. Now, Albany, to their credit, they could have been the Albany Empire or they could have been the Albany Firebirds. We, That's we've, right. got, we've got both names. So uh, I personally was leaning towards the Albany Firebirds just because that's what I grew up on. But the Albany Empire's recent past was very, very successful. They came off a championship, and then uh, Coach Manas up there in Albany did a fantastic job last year. Uh, you know, the the championship game up there was just unbelievable. Uh, I don't want to get into it because, you know, the first half was just like a crazy, crazy first half. I mean, oh. I Columbus scored – uh, maybe six or seven touchdowns on a total of about eight plays. Right. <laughs> Too bad halftime happened for them. But point being is, you know, the Albany Empire is a name that the people in upstate New York have have embraced. So we're good with that. You know, whether you want to call them the Albany Empire, or the Albany Firebirds, we were good either way. But people relate to the empire. Uh, and Coach Manas has done a really good job of, of keeping a good core of players up there. You know, again, not that, you know, toot his horn anymore, but Darius Prince, I think I'm putting pressure on him. So if he doesn't perform, <laughs> then obviously the pressure is going to get to him. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, but they, they signed, uh, you know, a very, very good quarterback in Mike uh, Faithful, uh, the kid that was in Jacksonville last year, he got hurt early on. Uh, I think he went to UCLA. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this kid's a special football player. So they've got a lot of tools up there. I think they open up against the Carolina Cobras. I mean, I, I'm just – I'm excited about this weekend just because we have some interesting matchups. You know, Jacksonville going to Columbus – you know, Columbus just always seems to it, – it doesn't matter if Columbus wins or loses in week one, week two, week three, week four. Uh, their history tells you that they're always going to be relevant. And, uh, uh, I mean, if you're a bet man, they're going to probably be in the championship game this year. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Gibson puts them together well. You know, that that's you the know, thing. I'll give Gibson credit. Gibson's not quite as old as me, but I actually am old enough to have played against Jason Gibson back in the old days. He when he was with the Greensboro Prowlers, they mm-hmm. sucked, by the way, but he was really good. Uh, <laughs> I have to say that just because that's the only thing I got over him, right? But uh, you know, he does a great job. You know, he's a he's a small he's in the, the quote unquote small market. So, but he uses that to advantage. You know, yes, he's in the small market. But he's right smack dab in the in the middle of SEC country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he's got oh yeah, Auburn, fifteen minutes down the road. I mean, 
he there's so many great athletes in western Georgia, eastern Alabama. Uh, he's not hurting for recruiting, and he does a great job of recruiting young players. So, uh, and he does a good job of recruiting players that nobody's really that nobody really knows about. So, uh, I'll be curious to see how they do, especially week one against Jacksonville. I, I just think that the Ironman throwing the Ironman curve into everything. It's going to take a few weeks for the coaches to kind of get back to what they used to do. Now, Sia Burley, he played back in the Ironman days, but he was an offensive specialist. Mm-hmm. So, uh, right. I don't know if many people remember Sia Burley. He played at UCF, uh, played for the Orlando Predators and the Arizona Rattlers. He was one of the smoothest route runners that, that you would have ever seen. I mean, it's hard to describe the way he played because – it, it, at times it looked like he did, wasn't even running, but then next thing you know, he had 10, 12, 13 catches and five touchdowns. He was just one of those guys that was just really, really good. You Sneaks know? up on you. That's what it sounds like, you know? Yeah, no, he does. I mean, he was, he was, he was fast, but he wasn't world-class speed. He was quick, but he wasn't world-class quickness. He was just had no weaknesses in his game. And I used to enjoy watching Cyber early play football, uh, you know, back when he was playing, but, uh, you know, we, we've got some interesting matchups week one, Jacksonville at Columbus, uh, Carolina at, uh, Albany. And then of course, Orlando at San Antonio, which is the game I'll be at. So I'm excited about all of them. Should be good. Before, before we let you go commission, I actually, this is, this has me curious too. What's, uh, what's the week before the week before kickoff kind of like for you and at least, uh, the other staff over there for you guys, like Steve and company, over the NAL offices I mean uh it is it is you know for people that are in let's say uh Broadway terms right it's the crazy behind the scenes before the curtain drops (laughs) it is just all the little things that that especially San Antonio for you know first year team playing in a new league different arena you know just making sure that they have you know their goalpost up you know um we, we had discussion today. The arena's like, well, it should be at this height. And I'm like, no, it's 15 feet high. The arena thinks it's 10. It's just thinking about all those last minute details. And I mean, something's going to go wrong in, in San Antonio and, and, you know, possibly Columbus and all, but there's going to be things that go wrong and that's okay. It's a matter of, you don't want them to go wrong multiple weeks in a row. So, right. uh, I'm not expecting to go out San Antonio and everything to be perfect, but I'm expecting, Hey, if things, if the, if there's mistakes made, let's correct them and let's move on. Fortunately for, for San Antonio and for us, they've played a season in the past. So they know how to put on a game, uh, but they are stepping up big time in competition and, uh, and expectations, you know, they're dealing with uh some last minute issues of some things. I'm not going to go on record of saying what's happening, but there's some things that didn't come in that are supposed to come in. So they're, they're dealing with some last minute issues. Like we've got to get X, Y, and Z together, but uh, they've been really cool under pressure. And uh, I know that they're going to do a great job there. Again, there's going to be some mistakes that are made, but at the end of the day, the fans need to be entertained and and they're going to put on a great show and put on a great game, win, lose, or, well, there's no going to, not going to be any draws because we got overtime. (laughs) Right. Uh, (laughs) Win or or lose, the fans are going to be entertained 
And that's the most important part is we want to entertain the fans and, and, and grow this thing in this case in San Antonio. So, uh, uh, I, I know that there's the craziness behind the scenes, but yeah, it's just sending out emails, make, making phone calls and checklists and, Hey, do you have your helmets? You know, every, everything needs to, you know, are the footballs in just little things that, that week one growing pains, you know, are the change, oh, yeah. you have ball boys, you have the footballs, you have the uniform. I mean, Dang. anything you can think about, you just want to make sure that's, that it's done. But it's exciting too. That's fantastic. Fantastic. I, I could understand, you know, I mean, you're kind of, you know, you just want to make sure it's the best possible product on the field when you guys hit, which I mean that we, we expected anyway, no, no one, you guys have putting it up. So, you know, look forward so, to so here's, here's a million dollar question for you guys in, in preseason, right. Yeah. Week one, we have something happening this year that has not happened in the 17, 18, 19, in the four or five years of our league, six, but we obviously we didn't play in 2020. We are going to have at the end of 2022, we are going to have the first ever NAL Ironman of the year. So, yes. you know, in the past, we had our offensive player of the week, defensive player of the week, special teams player. But now, I mean, obviously with our game, Ironman is the premier award right it's the premier position it's the it's the people it's the it's the position that people love so uh, we'll give it a couple weeks but start thinking about watch watch a few of these games and you got to start thinking about who is the who is the 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 early the 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 lead horse for iron man of the year so that should be the interesting question because that is going to be that's where the stars are made in early you're going to have your offensive specialists your quarterbacks are going to put up their numbers the the receivers are going to put up big numbers, but who's going to be that Ironman of the year? Bryant. And I'm definitely, I got a few prospects, but I'm going to hold off just because, like you're saying, <laughs> I definitely yeah. want to. It's too early to tell. Rebound. What's that? Oh, it's, it's too early to tell. Oh, well, yeah, you already I mean, have your favorite. <laughs> Darius Prince. I was going to say. <laughs> Darius Prince. I, I don't think he's going to be Ironman of the year because I think that he's going to be, in my opinion, He's going to be an offensive specialist. I mean, right. maybe I'm wrong. I mean, so he's probably out of the running. I mean, now I I don't know what what what's in his head and what's in there in the coach's head up there. But I mean, uh, I mean, Darius is a special player. He's a great kid. You know, he's a great personality. Uh, you know, I, I you know. There, there's some guys out there that have been in our league, Devin Wilson. I mean, there's there's some guys out there that that fit the bill for Ironman, you know. And it doesn't have to be necessarily receiver DB, you know. Maybe look towards that that D lineman that puts up big numbers but can turn around and play offensive lineman or a fullback linebacker, you know. Uh, Outlaw, I don't know if if Outlaw is going to be a specialist or a two way player, but Outlaw with with his length. If he's receiver Jack, I mean, you're not going to throw over the kid. I mean, he's like six forever. I mean, <laughs> the dude is a, is, is a lanky dude. You're going to bear claw that thing out of the air. <laughs> I can't get that. I was about to say <laughs> that. the next couple of weeks. So we're going to start seeing some guys playing both offense and defense, you know, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys that are going to get a lot of notoriety are going to be the receiver Jack linebackers. Right. But the receiver DBs, you know, uh, those guys are, have got it 
those guys are going to be the ones that are they're putting in the work. You know, they got to turn around and try to cover guys. If you're a natural receiver trying to turn around and play deep, I actually think it's a little bit easier for the defensive back to turn around and play offense because defensive backs, just just generally speaking, defensive backs, in my opinion, and I'm a receiver, defensive backs are, are really unbelievable athletes because they they backpedal, their hips are great, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, the joke has always been from a receiver standpoint, guys play DB because they can't catch, right? But the great DBs are the ones that also have great hands. So those DBs that could turn around and play receiver and catch the ball, those guys, I mean, those those guys have a lot of value, you know, uh, in the game. But then, but no matter what you say about receivers, DBs, the offensive specialist, defensive specialist, the game's still going to be one up front in the trenches. You know, uh, yes. you have to protect your quarterback and, and, you have to turn around and, and rush the quarterback. So when I was coaching, I always built my teams starting at the line. So uh, that's where I'm going to be looking to see where the real value is. Unfortunately for the linemen, especially offense, they don't, there's, they don't have a lot of stats to go by, right? How many sacks did you give up? I mean, their biggest stats are holding, right? But uh, I'll be looking for those big guys too, to see how versatile they are. And, you know, uh, you know, can they pass rush or can these pass rushers turn around and, and, and block a little bit? So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I know you got a couple coaches chomping at the bit. Maybe one one over there in Columbus is chomping at the bit because he played the game back when it was Iron Man. Right. Uh, and I, I'm sure he's got some things up his sleeve. Uh, Cy Burley, of course, another guy old school. And, and uh, But – I'm anxious to see some of these games this weekend. I'm super excited about Ironman, the substitution rules, and, uh, you know, obviously excited about 2022 and super excited about you guys being on board. It's going to be great. I can't wait to see some of your episodes and seeing who you bring on and uh, seeing how this thing grows for you guys. I know. It, it, I'll, I'll, we, we've admitted it's nice to uh, stay official in front of our, <laughs> in front of our show, you know, and it's a, uh, it's a pretty special thing. We thank you for, we thank no, you. No, I love it. I mean, I mean, once, uh, you know, once some of the guys kind of, you know, I, I'm not the most proficient at social media and, and the stuff that you guys do. And when they started, you know, showing stuff, I'm like, man, this is really cool stuff. I'm like, you know, let's, let's see where this goes. So I'm, I'm so excited for you guys being on board and, and Zach for you, I'm excited to see how you're, how you're, year goes being uh being the the virgin iron man guy <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what hey, i'm talking about so oh, i know what you're talking about I, i'm still i tell him uh, i tell you know jim here you know i'm the guy from indianapolis i gotta get to the east coast and get to one of these darn nal yeah, games listen, zach indianapolis is a great arena city so we got to get a team in indianapolis that should be I, your goal right you i got one i got year, one for you one get a team in indianapolis and two, let's let's get you guys at, to the championship weekend and have a special podcast uh, before the championship game. Oh man! Oh yes, that's yeah, that's what I'm talking about sure right there. Happen live from the <laughs> 2022 NAL championship. Now, now, granted, if if you're looking at the history of our league, it would tell you that it's probably going to be in Jacksonville because they're every other year they're hosting the. <laughs> He was telling me, just been telling me that he's like, it's got a far drive, (laughs) but only a 10 mile drive. Honestly, I I couldn't tell you who's going to host it. I mean, uh, 
it's too early to tell, but uh, man, wouldn't it be great to have you guys down doing a live podcast during the maybe media day or whatever day uh, and just, just really rocking it and, you know, having a good time getting, getting players from both, both championship teams on your show. That'd be awesome. We got to make that happen. We're chomping at the bit. You, you keep, we keep ourselves posted. We're going to do this thing. So exactly. <laughs> that there's probably not a very good chance that the game will be in Indianapolis. So hey. at, least, at least there's a one in six chance of it being in Jacksonville. <laughs> no neutral <laughs> site. Likely you'll be traveling somewhere. <laughs> I've, I, hey, I'll figure it out. I, yeah, I, right. I'm, all, I'm all, I'm all for getting the game. We'll yeah, go absolutely. To the game, so. Absolutely. <laughs> And Jim, hey, you got actually you've got a uh, you've got a 33 percent chance that you don't have to fly. Well, actually, you got a fifty percent chance that you don't have to fly anywhere because you figure Jacksonville, Orlando, Columbus, you can drive to all three. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, San Antonio and Albany are the only two I think I have to take a flight out. Yeah, you could probably drive to Greensboro. You're close enough. Yeah. It's probably more of a pain to, to fly up there than it would be to drive up there. Well, oh, you have yeah. to go through Atlanta no matter what. <laughs> so. <laughs> Coming out of Jacksonville, you got to fly in Atlanta somehow. I always, I always drive to Columbus because it's it's too much of a pain to fly, and it's 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 a six hour, five and a half, six hour drive. So uh, I like going to Columbus. So every time I go, I find something new to do. Uh, so Columbus is a cool city. Downtown is a really cool city. If you ever get a chance to go to Columbus, I recommend you going. They got a really yeah. cool uh, whitewater rafting experience down there that we did with my son last year. So that's Ooh. fun. Well, I, got, I know uh, I know an owner chomping at the bit at least to get one of us over there. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, not, we've already mentioned him on the show last week. I don't want to forget this week. Yeah. <laughs> Cruises, uh, man. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so oh, I did it again. I'm sorry, Zach. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is, man. <laughs> Jim, anything you have for the commissioner before we uh, go out? No, uh, honestly, I'm just a want to say thank you sir for letting us have the opportunity to be the official podcast of the national green league and i just want to say to the, us and our listeners and to our new listeners and viewers hello youtubers um <laughs> i got <laughs> forgot to do that at the beginning um it's a it's going to be a privilege working side by side with you guys and i can finally like tell all our people like we've been teasing the announcement they're like what's going on what's going on it's like really can't is it a player? Is it this? I'm like, no, you're nowhere near what the situation is. But I want to say thank you. Appreciate it. And I just want to say that, yeah, let's get ready for August 13th. Birthday weekend, of course, August 13th. It's my August 12th, my birthday. So it's my birthday weekend. So let's go celebrate at a championship game. So I'm looking forward to that. No, I'm super excited for you guys. It's so happy to have you guys on board as our official podcast for the NAL. So uh, it should be a great year. It will be a great year. And uh, you know, looking forward to seeing some of your future podcasts. Absolutely. Commissioner Siegfried has joined us here on the show. Commissioner, thank you for taking your time. Uh, best of luck to you, the rest of the yeah, owners, man. the office for this first week back for a full year for first time in, you know, a little while, but it's going to be a great season, new rules, much more exciting play ahead. Looking forward to everything. Let's do it. NAL, man. We're going to rock it this year. Ironman football. We are the home of Ironman football. No doubt. Well, special thanks once again to Commissioner Chris Siegfried for joining our show. Really appreciate it. And we got to give him another thanks because if you heard in there, if you heard what he said, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, 
We at the Inside the Walls, starting this season, are the official National Arena League podcast. We've made it. We're at the big time, Jim. We finally got there. We've hit the professional leagues. Both of us are going to be covering the National Arena League exclusively. We are excited to be working with Commissioner Siegfried and the rest of the league on building up the league and covering it accurately for you out there that enjoy NAL content. Jim, this is, I mean, when we got told this was great and just being able to say it uh, out loud to people feels even better. Um, it just makes, makes the season a little more special for us to cover, you know, what we think is already an excellent or at least excellent coming back to arena style game. Yeah. And people don't, our listeners out there and our new viewers out here on YouTube, uh, you don't know how hard it was for me and Zach to keep this quiet. It's almost been a month um, when kind of reached out. And they've kind of talked to us, and but you got we. It's just not thanking Chris, Commissioner, the Commissioner. It's also we got to thank, yeah, you know, Steven Chitola uh, for the Jacksonville Sharks. Absolutely, uh, Steve Curran, Josh Blair, um, the guys up in Mike Warda up in Albany. And our new family, our new friends in San Antonio with Hector, they all, the only reason why we got to this point is because they all agreed, the executive board of the National Arena League agreed to get us on to be the official podcast of the National Arena League. Too. So our listeners out there that want to tune in to us to see what we are, our opinions about the other leagues, unfortunately, uh, we cannot discuss anything about the other leagues. We are specifically the National Arena League and six organizations. And we want to say to the listeners out there that if you're fans of the Jacksonville Shark, Predators, Columbus Lions, San Antonio Gunslingers, the Albany Empire, and the Carolina Cobras, you might not like our opinions about games or who we predict, but let's just tell you right now, deep down in our hearts, we love you, we support you, and we want you to succeed. Um, this show is going to be like it's been. hasn't changed and will never change. Um mm-hmm. Breakdown action the week four, the week coming up, interviews with players, coaches, owners, and the commissioner. And what he also said on the interview, uh, we will be live at the location of the National League Championship game this year, media day and the game day, uh, interviewing players, coaches, and the commissioner. So I wonder if you'd be cool if I steal the trophy away when no one's looking. <laughs> so I could, I got a trophy. Do we um, get, oh my God, yeah. Yeah. Think about That's it. All, so this is as of now, you can consider us in the planning stages as of this show, which means we're one step closer to touching the 2022 NAL championship trophy, Jim. Correct. Yep. <laughs> Closest I'll ever get to to a top league trophy, if I had to guess. So when they say the list of the NAL champions, they'll go Jackson Sharks, two-time champion, Albany Empire, one-time champion, Carolina Cobras, one-time champion. Who's inside the walls and why do they win the 2022 uh, championship? Why is that, why is that engraving <laughs> on there? <laughs> why is that there? Sorry, my bad. I just want to be in the, but all, all with, honestly, the excitement that I have bringing this content to you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what Zach does, not just for this show and for his other show, this is our opportunity to get into a professional league. One of our goals and dreams beyond just podcasting. Mm-hmm. to represent an organization. Our goal is to promote the National Arena League, talk to players, talk to coaches, give you breaking news from the National Arena League from the National Arena League. So That's right. when people say, what about the rumors about expansion teams? If we don't say anything about it, then it's not true. Uh, we've been giving 
trust by the ownerships and the commissioner that we will be that outlet for you, the fans, to get National Arena League coverage all year long. Yes, I did say that correctly. All year long. We're not just going to go away for eight months. We will have biweekly shows in the offseason with interviews with your favorite players. And, of course, for you, the fans, if you want a certain player on the podcast, email us, send us a DM, whatever you want to do. Get a hold of us. Let and us we'll know. Try to, and we'll find a way to try to get a hold of players because we'll just make two phone calls and we'll get your player on the show. So you're more a part of the show than we are, too. So I just want to say thank you uh, for the support over the last year and a half or uh, almost a year. I want to say a year and a half, but over the year, seems like a year and a half because we've been doing this for so long. Um, right. but again, I just want to say thank you to the National Arena League for giving us this chance. And thank you to our fans and our listeners uh, for the support. Because there's a couple of people out there that follow our show uh, that are constantly like, why are you not retweeting some of our stuff? But here's the reason why we're not retweeting some of your stuff. It's not because we're ignoring you. We love it. We love your passion. Um, I just want to say to those guys out there, we'll send you a DM later in the week to say thank you for your support. Keep supporting us. But we're not ignoring you. We love the support. And also, I want to segue this into this big-time news story besides us. No kidding. (laughs) uh, A couple of weeks ago or – Earlier this week on another podcast that covers the National Green League up in the upper upstate, New York, they broke some news about a quarterback in Columbus, Mason Espinoza. We're here to tell you right now, it broke yesterday by our Twitter, um, that is factual. He is stepping away from the Columbus Lions. Now, there are other rumors that he got cut or hey, there's a, a situation between him and Coach Gibson. That's not true at all. No. Um, the actual story is that Mason episode, Mason episode, episode Mason Espinosa. I still mess up your name, man. Um, <laughs> he will be taking a coaching position at a college um, that will be announced at a later date. Um, me, us and Mason have had great friendship over the last year, and we just felt the respect that we weren't going to break the news uh, until he gave us the go ahead to do it. Um, so yes, the guys up north did kind of get the news first, but we didn't want to do it until we actually knew the information. Correct. So correct. Big switch in Columbus with Mason Espinosa leaving, and also uh, not not just big. We're, we're that's massive. Well, it's know? massive. You, yeah. I mean, it, it it is. You do have to make a. You do have to make something out of. Uh, you know, league MVP happens to be uh, yeah. going all I mean, time league. Yeah. Another opportunity post football, of course, or at least extending that. But still, that's a power shift type of like transaction we're talking about. That's a big from a competitor's point point of view from all the other teams. You're like, well, there's a massive shakeup now that potentially again the two seed for teams like Jacksonville or Carolina become a more achievable goal to get because when you look at just a week ago, it was Albany Columbus back to back. And now with Mason gone or uh, going to not gone, he didn't leave us. He, he he's still around. He's just going with, to coaching. With, this yes, <laughs> with Mason going on to onto other greener pastures, yes. we should be putting. And it it opens up the top tier of the National Arena League to a point to you can debate: Is Columbus consider a top third team in the league now, or are they going to be one of those teams that competes with Orlando? And San Antonio trying to sneak into the four. 
We don't know, but it is a massive shakeup, and especially we're in week one, so a lot of teams have already made big-time cuts. And other news this week is camp cuts, and there are a lot of them that are very intriguing that were surprising. Um, we'll stick with Columbus right now. They're Corey Crawford, a fullback slash – he was going to play the linebacker D line was released by the Columbus Lions. Again, this is nothing about it. He didn't make the squad. He got a coaching opportunity with his alma mater, University of Clemson. Right. So, or Clemson University. I forgot how. It's Clemson. My bad, Clemson. You're, I just know you as Clemson. Um, <laughs> but there's other, like we broke a couple transaction news of Columbus last week of Leggett that got released. And I say Pope is the other one that got released. And people are like, man, what's going on with Columbus? They're losing all their talent. It's Coach Gibson in the Columbus organization. No matter who is at quarterback, no matter who's at the receiver position, they still man, find their way. Man knows how to get guys ready to play. Correct. I mean, that's simple as that. You, you, I don't have to. You don't have to give us anything else. Simple no. as that. And I mean, you know, and Darren, and Darren, and uh, Darren Daniels, who's coming in. He has Columbus Lions experience. He was there in 2017. So it may take him a couple a couple games to get used to it, but he's not a person that's just out of off, you know, some practice squad. He's been in the system before. So Coach Gibson and the Columbus Lions are well prepared for the situation. And they still have Jermon Fortson. They still have Desmond Reeves. They have, still have Deloach. They still have a solid receiving core. So they'll be around. And the one thing I love about Columbus, they love being the underdogs because right. that is their, their motto. Their motto in the National League is that it's not what about us. And that's why I love about that organization, what Josh Blair and Gibson have done for that organization. They just we, we accept the underdog role and we're going to surprise it because back in 2019, they were the four seed under the playoffs and no one gave them a chance to beat Massachusetts. They went in mass and beat mass. And yep. play for an NL championship. Unfortunately, they lost against the Carolina Cobras. Tells you an organization that is the Columbus Lions. Another news in down in Orlando, you got some situations, some key players. Uh, Paris Mack, a receiver, very mm-hmm. good receiver, uh, was released. Kind of surprised me. Me and Zach thought he was going to be on the roster. It just made me go oh oh no i i i'm the same way i mean i i was pretty excited for him i was a little surprised um but nonetheless he's he's gonna land on his feet just fine oh yeah i'm not i'm not for for people out there about paris mack he has history with the Columbus lions he has history with the jackson sharks he is a notorious very good arena player he's gonna Mm -hmm. find himself somewhere i'm gonna just tell you right now not sources, no nothing. I have a hunch it's either going to be either Columbus or Jacksonville. He falls on it. Most likely Columbus, but would not be shocked about Jacksonville either. Columbus, he did play could, for- Columbus could use his services a bit more, in my opinion, than Jacksonville. Correct. Another news in Jacksonville, unfortunately, a vet will have to go, and that is a guy that we thought would be a team in 2022, and that would be Mike Hollis. Man. Unfortunately, the Jacksonville Sharks released him on uh, this week um, and signed a kicker that has been on the Jack Sharks roster once before, and that's Brandon Bear. And so you're losing a NFL vet, but you're gaining an arena football vet in Brandon Bear. So Jacksonville's kicking game is back to where it should be, my opinion. Um, but yeah. it's still, it was one of those uh, hashtag comeback season type of ordeals that really wanted to see. 
unfortunately, it didn't happen here in Jacksonville. And other news in the National Arena League, of course, it's week cut season in San Antonio. They did cut London No, so it looks like a new quarterback is going to get the most majority of the calls. And Zach knows uh, the quarterback is involved. And this is courtesy of our, our friends over in San Antonio of the Spoken Guns podcast who gave us this intel. Right. That is going to be uh, Javin, Javin Kilgo. He's been kind of in the background on the roster for or really, really over the offseason. Um, hasn't really been in the spotlight beside, you know, especially when David Olvera and Chris Jeffrey were listed as the main two quarterbacks. Uh, but Kilgo is going to be going up to bat now. And really, from what we can understand, is kind of now the only quarterback on the roster for the Gunslingers. So they're going to be searching for another person to put in rotation, probably going into the season now at this point. It's, yeah. I mean, I mean, we're talking and release, we're talking Wednesday, releasing this on a Thursday. Um, you can sign someone, but I mean, Kilgo's your, that's your starter right there. That, that you have no right. choice now. And it's also they're in Texas, and Texas mm-hmm. football is king. They can find themselves a quarterback. Plenty, too. plenty of resources yeah. are available at your disposal. Yeah, and some other news around the league. We touched up last week that Desmond Epps uh, left the Carolina Cobras. He's heading to the other league, unfortunately. But yeah. if you look at Carolina, their Jonathan Bang won the starting job. And one of the questions that really – it, that really surprised me was the uh, release of quarterback Dennis Havala or Havala. I don't know. I'm sorry if I mispronounced the last name. Uh, he had uh, quarterback experience for the Atlantic City Blackjacks, and he kind of got beat out by I think Evans, uh, a rookie from Virginia Tech. So looks like Coach Rez got that quarterback room situated. He did say in an interview on NAL.com that. The quarterback battle was the toughest decision he had to do on this year's team. That's a good right. sign. If you if that's one of the toughest decisions you got to do, it means all four quarterbacks were competing for a starting job. And then we can travel up to Albany. Albany didn't release some players, no major noticeable players. So all the top tier players that you've seen that Columbus, you know, released and what Jackson released or what Orlando released. No major uh, release players out of Albany this past week. So their roster is intact. And from what you heard about Mike Fa- uh, Mike Fable from the words of the commissioner earlier in the show, um, the commission holds Albany pretty high on his list this season. So it's going to be very interesting, very interesting start of the year for the National Arena League. So that is your news and transfers and transactions. I do have one I want to bring up that I saw that Columbus got Patrick Macon linebacker from the empire last year. He's going to, Oh, that's right. Yeah. Too. That was a sneaky one that kind of went under the radar. They did release that on an article for the, for the lions on four of the transactions, one being on Daniel, of course, Daniel's of course, but uh, watch out for Macon, you know, with Crawford gone, he might be stepping into that role there. Yeah. It's a or, or at least rotating in with how we have with iron man. I'll put it that yeah. way. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Uh, but, Again, like we mentioned earlier in the show, Coach Gibson will find a way to get that system for those guys, especially oh, for uh, Bacon, um, to get rolling. So I, it, it's an experienced linebacker from Albany. And did we did we mention on the show about Craig Peterson, or was it on the? Well, we I haven't. Think, okay, we, okay. Saying, I don't think we did. 
the other transaction was uh, Craig Pearson uh, is put on league suspension uh, for a signing of a contract for uh, another league team. Uh, yep. We wish him the best. He's still, in my opinion, one of the best kickers of the game. And that's a big blow for the Columbus Lions. But the Columbus Lions signed a, signed a kicker that Ryan Gates, uh, who has been around Columbus for a few years, I think. Um, but still, again, Columbus, Coach Gibson. You can give him you can give him a Geo Metro in six weeks at Geo Metro looks like a four tours. It's like it can it can it, 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 uh, he Coach Gibson's that good. And I'm not tuning his horn, but still he's proven year in, year out that he's well, gotta, he's a good damn coach. I mean, yeah, gotta say, like uh this year he's I mean, talk about coming up to the uh coming up to the start and you're gonna have you have all these adjustments real quick. He's gonna be mm-hmm. tested right out of the gate. Again, Correct. a different way than last season where you're having to get your guys quickly ramped up, but now it's uh, several changes all of a sudden. Luckily, he's got some people that he's either, either is associated with yeah. or they're veterans of the game that could step right in, you know. So that's the that's the upside, the silver lining mm-hmm. coming in for Columbus. They should be competitive now. I don't know if they're going to be in my top two anymore. Mm-hmm. They, they Actually, they're not putting it out there they're not uh, no offense so, uh, no offense but they they do tumble a little bit here so you're saying power ranking time i think it's power ranking time first one of the year jim yeah so this is week one power rankings from the official podcast of the national arena league that's right so let's start off with our favorite sixth place unfortunately there's only six teams in our league so someone has to be the sixth team Right. And I'm just going to tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, mine hasn't changed a bit. I still think it's San Antonio, but here's the reason why that I still have San Antonio. Look at every team in the National Arena League right now. Excuse me, but sorry, I had to pull up my I know it's screen flash. Oh, yeah, well, it is what it is. You know, uh, I had to pull up, actually I had to pull up my notes. So I know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to be a person that goes, I will read anything that I don't know and think I know. No, that's not going to be me. Uh, the reason why um, I have San Antonio as number six, it's the arena game is unique. You go, you ride, and you die by your quarterback. Is your quarterback legit enough to carry you to that scale? And we, me and Zach have had our rankings based on overall rosters. And overall rosters right now, based on what's in San Antonio for their players, just going to tell you fans of San Antonio still, a lot of National Arena League teams, even teams in your own league, still don't know your roster, still can't put, you know, one person to one person. They don't understand or they have no familiarity with your team. Right. That's going to come with me, too. And at six, you ride and die with your quarterback. I look at the National Arena League and all the quarterbacks around the league. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say it, but I have no – past experience of your guys right now. I know Cody Brooks may be watching us. He's a future guest of our show. He's a yep. damn good player. I've seen some highlight films. There are some guys on that team that are dominant that can be, but that's towards lower league competitions, not the National Arena League. It's a big uptick in competition. So right now, based on my overall experience with San Antonio, that might change next week, ladies and gentlemen. That ranking might change instantly next weekend. Of course. Um, but right now, my number 16 is the San Antonio Gunslingers because of the, you know, not the notoriety, just the, we just don't know who they are yet. 
And the first, usually when you, if you had David Pendell at number one and you had uh, Philip Barnett at number two as your wide receiver, that ranking could have changed because David Pendell is a legit good quarterback um, in the arena game. But right now I got San Antonio at number six. Well, and that, that's basically it. You know, same deal for me. I've had him at six for a while. It's just I need to see more. Um, and I, and I, I'll even add more now that mm-hmm. with some of the roster rotation that's happened in, in this recent week, that just adds a little more to my uncertainty on what yeah. I'm going to get, which is why I can't, it's more of a, I can't put in confidence that they are better than Orlando. Um, I see guys like Cody Brooks, Joey Fisher, I know talks a lot about mm-hmm. how this team's heart is. And I shout out to him, of course, on this show. Um, and he definitely represents, you know, San Antonio and what they want to do um, from what, from, from the looks of it. Uh, I just need to see that come on the field in what is definitely higher league competition. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to have to wait and see. Um, Orlando is a decent enough test, in my opinion, as we have talked very much at length on this show. Defensively, they're very stout on paper. Offensively, they got the outside weapons. Our main question has always been quarterback. So good, a good litmus test kind of, I think, place to see where you're at in the NAL, which uh, I think number five on our list, funny enough, is uh, you know who I just mentioned right there. Anyway, uh, that's going to be Orlando and. I left, I left the part of this for this main reason, quarterback scenario. You know, we did see EJ Hilliard. He is now off to another league after originally signing on with Orlando, um, refused to report uh, for various reasons that could be speculated, but I'll leave that alone. Um, and so now you have Rakeem Cato or you have Connor Kagey, who both have been in the arena scene. Um, obviously, Kagey most recently with the Sharks. Cato um, has been in a different league before coming over to the NAL. So, that's the wild card is who do we get starting week one and who's going to be thrown to these guys? Cause they have the weapons on the outside. Even with Paris Mack leaving, you got people to throw to Darren Clark, Lonnie, Lonnie outlaw and company. You have places that you can throw it up to question is, can you accurately throw it up to these guys? We'll find out. That's, that's the only thing because the top four guys above you, even with, you know, Mason leaving, we know the guy coming in for Columbus has had success in the NAL. So that is there for you. That's why I got him at five for me. Um, number five is going to be no shockers. Sammy Jr. Orlando Predators. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just tell you right now, the separation between number five and number six in my ranking, if you look at overall standings, it's about two games. Okay. I, th- I think I, 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 or San Antonio fans. Yeah. Jim Texas. Oh, my bad. I, I think you're, you're. I think San Antonio's three and nine this year. Honestly, they're okay. the, how their schedule set up. It just is so difficult to them. They can't really sustain a home presence early. Then they're on the bye weeks and they're on three game road trips, so they're away from their building for six weeks. That's going to you know get to a team. That's um, a long stretch. So uh, yeah, it is long stretch, and that means I have Orlando around five and seven, toying with that six and six mark, and especially in, in, in our league. Six and six might get you in uh, this year. Um, it, it last year three and five, three and six got you, or three and yeah, three and five got you last year because of the short season. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why I have Orlando number five is that I'm kind of from the people we've talked to about certain players that refuse to report on the transaction wire and now find out why they are and knowing that they will be back in time to play a significant amount of time in the National Ring League, like this case, um, uh, Devin Maxwell, 
uh, a guy who uh, is a former guest on the show um, yep. a couple months ago. Um, Orlando, Jeff Higgins, that receiving core down there, very underrated. And the only thing that gets me, puts me them at number five, except for number four, is the quarterback situation. You got two guys getting introduced to a new quarterback, a new system. Connor Kagey did play for the Jackson Sharks last year, but you're going to Orlando. You're not – you're playing with other Jeff Higgins. You're playing under a different type of, you know, I don't know how the offensive playbook is, but it's different. It's going to be a lot of issues. But one thing that we know about Orlando last year is that their defense was very, very good. Yes. And yes, when their, de- their, their defense was good, what hurt them last year was their offense halfway through the year. Then they found themselves, and then they beat up on the Carolina, and they beat up on the Sharks, and then the – Jersey flight to get in at 500 record last year. I got them at number five this year, and I think they're going to toy with that 500 record again because they have a lot of road games and bad times of their schedule where they'll go from at Jacksonville, then they're home against Albany, then they're at Jacksonville again. That's a tough stretch. Um, I don't think that's completely accurate. I need to look at schedule again, but they have a stretch where it's like, like they need to find a way to get early wins in their schedule because that mid part, the me of that schedule is going to be pretty effective. But I got Orlando number five, but they're very, they're, they're a lot closer to the number four team than they are number six team, in my opinion, my power ranking. Uh, do you want me to go to my number four? Yeah, let's just do zigzag. Okay. I mean, I, why not keep that pattern on going on, shall we? Um, this team did a big fall in my ranking. And that is the um, Columbus Lions. And it's because of Greg Peterson. It's because of Lockett. It's also because of the MVP quarterback not returning Mason Espinosa. Still all the love, Mason. We're still, thank you for the support. Thank you for making our show, making us get to this point, our show. Absolutely. But one thing about Columbus, I stated before on the podcast, and I've stated multiple times on multiple shows, Gibson, that ownership group, they know how to win games when it matters, and they're always in the postseason, no matter what. I have them at number four because there's almost that, that, that saying, prove it to me, then I'll pick you. For Columbus, I'm keeping them in the playoff picture until they tell show me that they can't make the playoffs. And that's going to be pretty hard to do, especially with Coach Gibson that organization. They do have Darren Daniels that's coming in, who has experience in 2017 uh, Lions. They still have Jermon Fortson, the second all-time lead receiver in the National Arena League. And they still have Desmond, uh, Desmond Reese, the Loach. They have a squad um, that's not – yeah, they lost the guy. They may have lost their kicker. But still, they have a good enough squad. I still think right now because of how the schedule is, if they started with Jacksonville like week two, maybe they'd be more prepared for – I think Jacksonville's a butts all for them to start off the season. Um, because of the, the, the this massive switch they got to do right off the bat. Um, but be, yeah. for number four, I got the Columbus Lions. And, again, prove to me that you can't make the playoffs. And right then, the lowest they'll be in my power rankings is number four, unless situations happen later in the year that we have to put them down further in power rankings. For, for, for me, I have them at number four. Yeah, they're four for me, too. They were originally my two for the preseason polls. Um, and, you know, I, I – I, I am newer to the NAL, of course. I've heard good things about Darren Daniel. Um, so that's great to have a pivot to go to somebody that's reliable, has had success. Um, Mason, though, has been on another level. Um, he really was the guy that, you know, even with some of the roster changes, some guys going to other places, 
you know, I had to put him at two just for the fact he's on there. Um, nonetheless, I still see the Columbus Lions as a playoff team. I do see with the talent on here. And just the fact, again, Jason Gibson, I mean, the guy has very, his, he just gets his players ready. You know, sure. that, th- this is a dude that really gets the best out of his teams for what Columbus gives him. And he makes it work. He consistently has made it successful for that for that fan base to watch teams year after year after year. So, you know, when, you know, when Jim's mentioning, of course, you know, you have guys like, of course, a forced in, you know, they picked up Patrick making like I said that I'm excited for, you know, go, you know, Rodney Hall, of course, being there too. you know, they have talents that they can go and compete with it. And, you know, Gibson having experience in Ironman, again, something we're watching out for a lot this season with how coaches adapt to the new rules, mm-hmm. that's going to be key to play. So you have a little bit of advantage there too, going in uh, their playoff team. I think you're going to see them in, in Orlando throughout the year competing for that fourth spot. Uh, just because I think the top three were, were determining yeah. are kind of another step above the bottom three, but it's going to be at least a dogfight to see who gets that final spot and at least gets to be honored in that first round matchup for whoever it is at the top. And what's unique is that both Orlando and Columbus play each other the final week of the season in Columbus. So that, that could, could come be down. a deciding game. That could mm-hmm. be a deciding game. Because I have right now Columbus at six and six and and Orlando at five and seven, with that last game being the determining factor who gets in the postseason. Um, but yeah, that's that's me. So <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Now I'm gonna be honest with you, the top three. I'm going to see if we keep matching up like this. Cause I, here's what I've got. Number three for me is Jacksonville. I'm going to put it down there right now. Now, and part of this comes into how we've learned about how the QB yeah. system is going to work this year. Um, so of course we know Warren Smith first few weeks of the season, Malik Henry, again, very talented quarterback who's been around other le- indoor leagues in recent years. Um, I want to see how he adapts to a pure arena system. Um, as we know with others outside of the NAL, you have to be more running. You have to be more elusive. It's more, it's less on pure, pure in pure outdoor elements and more on, you need to be a good passer. You need to be able to move the pocket. So, and get the ball out quickly, mind you too. Mm-hmm. Let, scramble ability doesn't always save you in arena football. So keeping that in mind, um, that's the stuff I'm going to be watching out for. Otherwise, I mean, he's got a good supporting staff around him. Of course, you got Kenny on in defensive side. You got v, Kenny Veal, of course, you know, offensively, you got Devin Wilson to throw it up, up to along with other cast of characters too. Um, I mean, I, I, it's Jacksonville. They're pivoting. They are readying themselves to get back into the playoff hunt as Jim has very much talked to me. And I know this very well. That's an organization that does not accept failure. It's a big, it's a big organization with a crowd that also is very vocal because of the fact that it's so supportive in that city. Um, they've set themselves up to be a playoff team. I'm just thinking though, and I keep looking at Carolina, which you can kind of get what I'm talking about. Like Carolina, Albany alone, like if we, with Ironman rules, your rotations can be scary and can continue to keep pace, you know, I think Jacksonville is able to sneak some games. I think they could steal one from a Carolina or an Albany, possibly. I mean, they did last year from mm-hmm. Albany for Christ's sake, one of the best games of the year. Well, Jacksonville um, has four chances to. Of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, go figure. You know, the schedules, which is why you see like, a, you know, an eight and six mm-hmm. or like, you know, a nine and five, you can even put it at for these guys. Still a fascinating piece to watch out for in terms of standings. But yeah, 
I got them at a three. Uh, it really comes down to how they adjust with the QB system and how good Malik Henry is in a new, in an altered version of the 50 yard game, AKA yeah. arena style in this sense. Well, my number three team, I think we're, I think our rankings are all equal this time. Oh I my think, God. Uh, uh, number three is the Jackson Sharks for me. Oh and, man. And it just, uh, the, the reason why I think, but I like to put the standings. I look at the schedule and I, I have a computer program that simulates the season. Yes. And every single majority of the simulations always had Caroline Jacksonville. That's two and three. And Albany was always the one, which few of them had him as number six, which was odd. Um, but for overall, one thing about the Jacksonville Sharks that you, for as a fan, as people who are look, listening to this podcast or watching us today, Jacksonville had a season last year that is very rare. No, we're not talking about the Jaguars. Um, that's very common with the Jaguars, but not with the uh, well, not with the Sharks. Um, I know some people within the organization that have talked to people outside the organization. This offseason, their main goal was to make the playoffs. They actually put a squad around them that basically they have to like fall flat on their face to miss. Um, they have a squad that's good, and I, they're led by a great guy, Devin Wilson. Warren Smith, as we had him on the show a couple of weeks ago, we know that what's going on that situation. But if Malik Henry plays like he did in that playoff run from the other league last season, I think mm-hmm. Jacksonville will be a benefit. But Jacksonville's that type of team that might be that third that third seed. Like, oh, they got in their third seed, but they're that third seed in my opinion that you don't want to play in this in the playoffs because I believe because of the second half of schedule how Jacksonville's schedule set up. They can go in the postseason on a, a hot streak if yeah. they, if everything's right with Warren Smith and Malik Henry on the roster. Um, so watch out, Carolina. I think that'd be an interesting first round matchup um, in the 2022 playoffs if that even happens. But yeah, I have Jackson at number three. But the reason why I have Jackson at number three is Coach Burley, a championship quarter, a champ, the championship coach coming back with the organization that he led in 2019 and i think because of his experience in the iron man game and the experience with the city of jacksonville that coach fuller didn't kind of know how to operate but didn't know how to orchestrate you could say okay Uh, i think i think i think burley is a a good uh a good mentor for malik um he doesn't need to be a mentor towards warren smith warren smith is a vet he knows he knows what he's doing and a lot like we've heard around the community Last Chance You, Malik Henry, what's the situation? Is he going to be the hot shot he was in Last Chance You, or is he going to be that more matured quarterback that he was in the other the other league last year? If you get that playoff, Henry, that four or five week span that uh, when Warren Smith is up in Jersey finishing his teaching, uh, Jackson will be a good position. And the good thing about Jackson, that little stretch right there, there's some mixture mixture of winnable games, and there's some mixture of games you go. Well, I don't think so. Now with the news in Columbus, you have a little bit more mixture of that type of winnable games oh, yeah. in that in that situation. But Jacksonville situation, it's going to be can they survive a 14-week season with no bye week um, and be one of the playoff teams? Because that would be another intriguing factor Come if Jacksonville and Carolina meet each other in right. the playoffs because they'll be going 15 weeks straight without a bye week. That's the thing. I mean, I mentioned, of course, the extra games with mm-hmm. just the standings, but I, I know some people, they at least it's some people want to have that consistent, you know, energy and consistent yeah. game and system flow week in, week out. Uh, that's fine. But I also think with like 
especially with how aggressive arena can be. I mean, you know, we're talking the turf, we're talking the walls, you know, for some position players, specifically receivers alone, you know, you need that rest. You really need to have some time off. Um, So we'll see. I mean, again, this came down to, of course, you know, some scheduling between the, this team and, or between the Jacksonville sharks and the Cobras on terms of tickets. So like it is what it is. Um, but they are technically in a way you could think could be penalized for that. So keeping that in mind, keep that in mind. So my number two team, not shock, Carolina Cobras. I think their roster, I don't know. I don't care what the people say up in Albany. They have a roster that matches yours person by person. Um, Mike Faithful and Jonathan Bain are two damn good quarterbacks. Jonathan Bain and Faithful played in Jacksonville together. So I experienced how good both they are. But you look at that roster in Carolina, that receiving core with uh, Kendrick Ings, James Summers, and DJ Myers, with Jonathan Bain, and Zach Brown's fullback, their defense with Nishan Robinson, their kicker, T.C. Stevens, they have all the weapons. I just want to say to the Carolina, I got you at number two to start of the season. You better host a playoff game. Um, you have that roster. Your goal, uh, challenge for me to you, Coach Rez, is win the number one overall seed. Let everybody go to Carolina and kind of, you know, tell the boys up in Albany, you know, simmer down a little bit. Um, but I think, honestly – Carolina, I've, I've been high on Carolina this whole offseason. I still think they're one. I think they literally have a roster that can match toe-to-toe with uh, the Albany Empire. Of course, situations can happen in seasons, the injuries or whatever, that can change the whole narrative. But as of right now, entering week one, I think they have this a, a roster that equals the Albany Empire, and they'll be challenging Albany for home field advantage this season, in my opinion. You know, that that is a very valid point. I, I do – I, I the more I look at Carolina, the more I go, man, they really do have a loaded, you know, group of at least core of guys you can go in with that twenty-one man lineup going into game day, and they have the thing is you have depth you can rotate out with and when needed. So like that's got me scared of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm gonna be honest with you, you, you know, it, it it's it's kind of tough for me to say. Is I still have them slightly at two. And I'm just going to, and, and, I, and it's like, it's not even, and you're talking the same thing with me. It's like a half step below Albany, just that roster of guys. I mean, just go on, just go on online, you know, check out their website. It is a, like, it's name after name after name of NAL first teams, NAL, you know, certain player of the year nominations from all years of the league's existence right so far. I mean, we're talking folks from like Mishan Robinson and Savante Davenport. You got, of course, guys from last year that did great, like DJ Myers, who came out of nowhere. You know, we thought he'd go back to Orlando. He's over there in Carolina now. Re- Coach Rez is signing on some good talent, continuing what he did at the end of last season to make that playoff run. And they're just keeping the train a rolling with getting people in there to Carolina. They're saying, look, we tasted victory in 2018. Let's get back to the mountaintop once again. And they're kind of looking like they will be, and I'll say it right now, like you, they're looking like my team that's going to be either hosting or they're going to be going to Albany to take on the empire this year. That's as simple as that because number one for me, and again, that half step is the Albany empire. And it's just because, you know, look, both these, both these rosters are stacked. 
But again, Mike Faithful can sling it just like Jonathan Bain, but look at the people he's got around him. You got An- Antoine Grant, Darius Prince lining up on the out- on the outsides. Grant's going to be play- still as listed as playing, you know, that linebacker receiver, you know, matchup right there. So he's going to be a lengthy guy playing in the back. Dwayne Hollis is anchoring as one of the defensive backs. They brought Kenneth Magruder back, surprise guy, one of the best stories in the NAL last year who just dominated in the secondary forum. I mean, I can keep going on, you know, like Jared Dangerfield as well. You know, you got Brandon Cissé, of course, up there in captain, you know, very rounded squad, Nick Hag as well. Yeah. There's good talents there. Their backup is Sam Castro, for Christ's sake, who, you know, was starting for Carolina last year. Like they have depth too. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really tight at the top two. You know, I think Jacksonville will, I, like I said, they can steal some games, but, you know, Carolina and Albany basically set out to either say for Albany's case, A, we're repeating again with it, more full crowds this year. Cause trust me, if you look at the ticket sales with Albany for their home opener, it's going to be a nice crowd. Uh, it's they're filling in that stadium. Thanks to, you know, no restrictions now. And it's nice to see Carolina for that, for that case, they're just wanting to get back to the mountaintop, you know, and they put everyone back. They basically pushed their chips back in at the center of the table and said, yeah, uh, 2019 or 2018 result alone, we're at least getting back to the NAL championship. We got the roster to do that. And it, again, my number one, not shock, same as yours, mm-hmm. same sentiment as you. Um, but one of the key factors of the reason why number one is, is Coach Rez, yes, whatever he does, Carolina is great. He's a good guy. He's a friend of the show, future guest again on the show. One thing that Manas has over Coach Rez is he has, in my opinion, it's recency bias, by the way. Uh, sure. He is a defending champion, and he is a championship-caliber coach. And Coach Rez has a great history. I don't know. He may correct me with this. I don't think he won a, a championship in arena level, um, but he's been with some great organizations. I think – I know he was with Carolina. He won a championship with Carolina. Mm-hmm. What yes. am I talking about? He Duh. was Because uh, that would – he would be yeah. the defensive coordinator at that. Yeah, point. he was a DC. I mm-hmm. coach Rez. On my apologies, like scrap that. <laughs> yeah, DM Jim, incoming after the show. Yeah, you, DM just just let you guys know. <laughs> Jim, what the heck, Jim? Like, <laughs> Sorry, coach. Um, but yeah, this is going to be the first time that Coach Rez, uh, I think, has a championship caliber team, and I think he is going to run into the Goliath that is the, the Albany Empire. And Coach Manos. And one thing I've, I've listened to a lot of shows, I've talked to a lot of coaches and people associated with the league. Um, Manos is a legit guy. He's a, a good guy, a family guy, and he knows how to win. And one championship in Albany year one, the fans in Albany accepted him. And you look at the ticket sales for the first game against Carolina, it's starting to show. Uh, but you go, you go look at all these teams – Look at their coaches. All these coaches have some type of experience in indoor in the Ironman game, but only a few have championship backgrounds into them as coaches. And Reese's and bias. I'm just going with Coach Manas right now, but because of their versus Carolina, they played each other last year in the playoff game, beat them, and I think they beat, played them earlier. Oh, did they play them in the regular season? Yeah, early in the season, yes. I think last year and beat them too. Um, but it's a new year, zero zero. Um, but yeah, I think Mike Faithful is legit. But one of the reasons why I, I love that receiver for in Carolina, Antoine Grant and Darius and Damien. That's, that's a scary setup. I can't even like, pronounce the 
guy's name and, and Commissioner Sickery was saying every single well, like yeah, five like seconds. Prince different. Prince and Grant, who Grant came in last year, yeah. you know, I mean, look, as long as Grant stays healthy, that's the main thing that, you know, because we've seen not even just with Inside the Lines, the series, but, you know, us talking with other folks, as long as he stays healthy enough, yeah. which I imagine he's going to do his best. We, we talk him. I know him. I've had him on other shows. Great guy. Uh, and I wish him well here. They're going to dominate outside. And look, even if he can't go, Jared Dangerfield's no slouch at that position. No. We're, we're talking a guy that's an AFL talent as well. That's sitting on that, on that sideline with everyone else. So and he, pl- and he played on the receiving core last year. That was very overlooked. Dangerfield, yes. live in house and Beavers. Like, come on. Like, I know. Right. And geez, I, I, still forgot can't mention, bl- I forgot to mention Larry Beavers in Orlando. In Orlando that's yeah. on me, but yeah. I still can't believe how Jersey wasn't a playoff team with that type of roster. That just that just tells you how the National Grand League it, game is. It makes you wonder. It really yeah, does. It, it's, <laughs> I, I still think about it. Yeah. And I know San Antonio fans out there get mad at us. Once we see you guys play, we'll start knowing your players' names, and you'll be in the conversations of this. So your preseason six surprises. Mm-hmm. Um that's all I'm going to say, and I'm just happy that the season is here. That's our official power rankings. I don't even have to do a graphic for both of us. We can just do a single power ranking right down. Right, right. Um, so that would be simple for me to do. It, it's it's the season, ladies and gentlemen. These are power rankings. And one thing about power rankings in professional sports, they don't mean anything because you can make the playoffs. Um, so top four teams, the season starts. Let's get going right now, talk about week one action. Of the oh, National Arena League. Funny uh, enough, we talked about maybe p- potential playoff or championship preview. Mm-hmm. Game of the week is possible championship preview right out of the bat with the number one and two power ranks together. The Carolina Cobras are visiting the Albany Empire live on YouTube on the 23rd, this Saturday, 7 o'clock. It's going to be an interesting battle, man. Uh, I've looked at it's hard to break down what these teams are going to do, how these teams are going to organize situations. Um, but I'm going to give you my pick of this game right now uh, to tell you why I believe. I think the Albany Empire get the win to start the season at home. I think it's because it's a raucous crowd. I think it's that's the reason you're going to feel, feel off the energy. And usually road teams kind of they lag behind a little bit. It's just sports and every professional sports. Um, mm-hmm. But the unique battle, I think, in this situation, like we mentioned before, past podcast is that what team can really find that formula of the the substitution rule and you're you're looking at two quarterbacks here faithful and bain don't have to worry but they're going to go out there and perform look at the receiving core <laughs> okay you know that receiving core is going to do their job it's going to come down to who can protect the football and what we know about carolina last year they did have some turnover problems early last season kind of fixed it and they made a postseason push going to be hard to go into Albany to take on the Empire and beat the Empire on banner. They're raising the championship banner. Championship rings are being given out to players that are still on the team. It's going to be, I'm projecting about 5K in the stadium because uh, if you look at the ticket sales right now, it looks like they're going to get towards that a little bit a little higher than that. So great attendance, bigger than last year's crowds. Um, I think it's going to be a hostile environment. I think Albany gets, gets the season going with a big W early. But it's not going to be one of those classic Tommy Grady type of offenses that just dominated their opponents and they just dominated the team they play. This is going to be a dog fight. I expect this to be a one-score game and could come down to 
whose kicker can make the big kick. Yes. So yes. I got Albany in a shootout because I love arena football, and we're the only league that does arena football rules. I love shootouts, so give me the Albany Empire touching the high 70s. 78 Ooh. Albany, the Carolina Cobras, 68. Wow, you – you're really reaching up there to kick oh, things yeah. off with a bang. All right. Week one. I may be completely wrong. All right. Hey, let's go. You know what? I'm okay with that. I would love to see a 78, 78 point type of game getting dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be a little mo- bit more modest with my score after I get my, my eval. Uh, here's the thing. Yeah. QB wise, you know, you got two, two former sharks QBs that are going to be going at it against each other. Don't remind me. I'm just saying, <laughs> look, Hey, it makes for some fun entertainment, some storyline a little bit. You know, you get again two sh- former Sharks QBs, two two that have had quite the success in this league, going at each other, loaded on the outsides. Thing is, it's really going to come down to the specialists in this one, in terms of who you got in term in the receiving core as your specialist most likely, and who is going to be defensive specialists like, for example, Dwayne Hollis out there. You would think projected in Albany, so. Those matchups are as crucial as ever. Um, and really, first test of changing of lines, the quarters, swapping out the different ones. Who is better at managing their roster at the end? As we heard with Chris Siegfried, it's all about getting to the fourth quarter and really just going to town on you, with your best of the best if you can manage players correctly. And, of course, if you uh, are still on the good side of the uh, rotation referees that are going to be keeping an eye on your roster this year. I'm going to give the side to Manas just because he is more, he is a little bit more of a traditional arena guy um, also playing at home. And, you know, I think that built up a roster that fits his needs very much. I do think that Carolina is going to make this a three point difference differential of a game though. Um, We're talking something Maybe not comeback scenario-wise, like last year's home opener where Albany took on Columbus, but I'm going to say it's coming down to the wire. person that has the ball last is going to win. That's going to be Mike Faithful. And I'm going to say you give me a score of 58-54. Albany is walking away with this one at home, but Carolina's going to be licking their chops and knowing that when they go to the snake pit later this year, they might be able to steal one because trust me, that's a good roster that's going to not go away anytime soon. That top two will be a dogfight all season. This will be your first experience with it come this Saturday. Yeah. Wow. So you say that they have three potential matchups between the Cobras and the Empire? I think so. Oh, all right. I, I, I think those will be out of our top tens, like when we talk at the end of the year, I think at least, at the very least, two of those matchups will be some of the best games of the season. Their rosters are that loaded. Unless you have detrimental injuries go and ravage some rosters. I know Carolina was partially hit last year with some that affected them coming towards the middle of the year. But if both these teams are healthy, if both these teams have their QBs and they have most of their assets in terms of scoring potential, the guys that help get down the field, stretch the field, take on their top tier corners on either side. Yeah. These are going to be some games that you will not want to miss throughout the season. Those you'll want to mark on your calendar. I'm looking forward to it because we'll, well, honestly, we have to cover. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) yeah. I mean, we're we're going to cover them all. We're going to keep up. But you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's going to be more of a, I think Albany just feeds off the crowd and has a little bit more momentum towards the end, but the 10 point differential in the, in the arena game, ladies and gentlemen, it's not a big, it's, don't leave your seats. Oh, yeah, no, no. 15, I mean, hey, 
15 seconds left, that means anything. Do yeah. not leave. That's one right. thing we say. Please don't leave if you are down by like a double digit lead like that. Things can happen. Arena That's is a right. beautiful game. It's chaos and it's amazingly just a spectacular show because of the chaotic nature of it. And for the fans that are newly into arena football, from our fans in San Antonio, hopefully you guys are going to pack up the Freeman Coliseum because your San Antonio gunslingers are hosting the Orlando Predators this Saturday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. So for you YouTubers, it's 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, Big-time showdown, the introduction into the National Arena League game, and you're being introduced to the game by historic arena football franchise that is the Orlando Predators. Uh, Orlando may not have the history like they did in the AFL that they do in NAL, but last season, the coach Bennett and the Predators show what Orlando was turning into. And when you looked in the jungle, you could tell that the Predator vibe was returning. Yes. This season, it's a new showdown. A lot of question marks in San Antonio right now about what's going on in San Antonio, who's going to be the starting quarterback, how's this offense going to do. But you got Coach Shaw there. He is a crap. That guy's played many years, and he's oh, yeah. a veteran in the uh, Ironman game. It's going to be a unique battle, and because we don't know a lot about San Antonio, we don't know like what San Antonio is going to do. But so based off a lot of their stuff from the, their last season, their other league they played in, they play a lot of shotgun for an arena team. You see that a lot in other leagues, but in the NAL and the AFL type of game, that's very rare to see. Yes. Absolutely. You, uh, Carolina ran a couple last year. I think maybe Columbus did it like one or two times, but it's very rare. It's not every play. But I think San Antonio is going to bring a type of style of game that's very unique to the National Arena League. And I think it's going to give Orlando a little bit like, wait, what's going on here? But if you look, I look over at Orlando's side, and we talked about it, Lonnie Outlaw, Larry Beavers. I look at that offense, you know, Darren Clark Jr., and you look at the defense, a guy that no one talks about. That I think Orlando fans are like, man, you got to get this guy to love him. That's Larry. Uh, that's Brandon Fuentes, a, yes. a, a very, uh, a very under the radar defensive back who's going to be everywhere. And Jeff Higgins, we had him on the show earlier this year. Um, his passion for the game, he has that Orlando build. I feel like Orlando's coming in here. Like, oh, we know that we're going to an expansion franchise, a lot of question marks, and San Antonio's going to be hyped for the game. I think San Antonio starts the game, hops Orlando in the mouth because Orlando's like, oh, okay, what's going on? This is a team. Mm-hmm. And then could energy in the crowd. You want to get your fans in San Antonio excited for the game. But I think overall the experience that's on the Orlando sideline will overshadow San Antonio to start the, to start the year. And I think either Connor Cady or King Cato will settle down in the game and perform towards the, end of the, towards the end of the game and beat San Antonio. Uh, I love all the respect to San Antonio for welcome to the league. Love your fans. Love the sport. Love the Spoken Gun podcast. You guys are cool. Uh, you guys have contacted us, gave us intel. We'll appreciate it. We'll contact you when situations oh, yeah. happen. Um, but unfortunately, I'm not on your side this week. I got the Orlando Predators pulling off a win. Closer than the experts predict, or more me and you predict, because I think we're the only experts that go to that. <laughs> but I think the game is going to be a slugfest early, and the offense is picked up later in the game. And I, I take Orlando in the win, 52 to 46. All right. 
And look, look, I'm, I'm kind of with you. We've talked on this at length. I really just want to get to this game and see what San Antonio has and at least what they've put together. Cause again, a lot of these guys on this roster are NAL rookies. Keep right. that in mind. There's not very many people that are, have been in the NAL circuit. There was Phil Barnett. Barnett went to a different opportunity elsewhere in another league. And that was really what got me at least the silver lining here is like, Hey, you got something like that. I know, I know Joey Fisher has definitely put on, and I know he's one of the stars, Cody Brooks last year, mm-hmm. as well as one of the stars. And I imagine we'll see those guys show out. Um, you know, I want to see what Javin Kilgo will do if what he's able to do. And if I'm pronouncing that name wrong, I better get a DM by the way, but <laughs> seriously. Um, but I'm wanting to see what he can do. Obviously, he's kind of getting thrusted last minute into the starting role with how much rotation has been at that position. Um, and that's going to affect things because really you have Orlando coming in that for the most part, they kept a lot of their key stars, just their quarterback position is what's been, you know, curious this off season, especially in the recent two weeks after EJ Hilliard's departure. Right. Um, so here's what I think is going to happen. I, I do think that San Antonio does get and keep up early on. Um, I'm wondering, and I usually don't don't advocate this. I'm wondering if you see just for maybe a little extra, you know, curiosity's sake. I wonder if Jeff rotates the quarterbacks. I think you're gonna see a lot of that around the league. Honestly, I think uh, you're like gonna th- see theirs it. would be the theirs would be the one I could see happening just because yeah, they're trying the to find recency Connor Kagey came yeah. in. You know, because um, I I think I'm projecting Cato to start just because he's been okay. there since the beginning. He stayed with the organization, Kagey is for depth, but doesn't mean that can change. Kegi actually has a little more experience than Cato overall, especially in arena. Um, so keeping that in mind, but nonetheless, I do think San Antonio does come out smacking the mouth a little. I think though, Fuentes and Josh Jenkins, they locked down the secondaries last year for Orlando. Um, eventually they are going to take over the game, your game, and they will make it either. You're going to make a ridiculous kick for a field goal or you're going to go four and out and you're going to have that game script flip on its head. So that is going to happen. Plus, I mean, you know, again, you have options to throw to, as you've said at length, as we've said, both at length. Uh, I just think that it's going to eventually be Orlando overwhelms. Give me a 45 to 32 contest only because new QBs. And because I think Orlando's way last year was a defense was defense when needed. They're going to rely on that to slow things down. Uh, but I do see San Antonio hitting that 30, 30 point mark for this one. So you're expecting a defensive, yeah, a, but, arena football defensive style. Exactly. I will say for me, I'm happy. My thing is, if I, I think it's a good offensive effort in arena, if you hit at least for the winning team, 40 points, that's my honest opinion. If it's, if it's below that, you might want to tweak some things. Not going to lie, especially in the arena game. Yeah. When it's designed more to be friendly towards the offense, mind yeah. you. And you were talking about Kato and Kagi being rotations for mm-hmm. Jeff Higgins' offense. I see there's going to be another team that does that a lot, this, especially the couple of weeks, because they have to. And that's the other game for this week's, and that is the Jacksonville Sharks going to Columbus in the rivalry. The rivalry matchup, week, baby. The 12th matchup between these two – excuse me, the 13th matchup between these two teams. Uh, Jacksonville is a series eight to four. Um, it's what a way to kick off a season with a big rivalry matchup. Me and Zach previewed, we were guessing, you know, week one games a couple months ago, and we kept saying Jacksonville, Columbus, Jacksonville, Albany, 
we knew Jacksonville was going to be among playing those two teams. They, we knew they were going to get sent to San Antonio. Oh, sure. One. Um, but it's a, it, man, I just want to say this right now. What a difference a week makes right. in the National Radio League. Last week, we look at these two rosters and are like, oh, my God, this is going to be a shootout. And it looks like Mason Espinosa is just going to tear up a Jacksonville. Man, a week later, we're like, is Jacksonville really going to go into this game and steal a win that we didn't expect they were going to do this time last week? I, I think it could. all depends on Dar- on Dar- it all depends on Darian Daniel. Correct. A lot of um, it comes down on his shoulders there. Coach Gibson and Josh Blair, again, we, we can't praise them enough on the show about what how they run their organization in Columbus. One thing I love about the Columbus Lions, no matter if they're four seed, two seed, or three seed, or one seed, they're going to go out there and they're going to play their butts off. I've seen that team come back with deficits at halftime to go. There's no way the Marine team's going to come back with this deficit, and they do, and they win the game. I This team and this organization, there's just something about them that I look at – That's there's something about this team that I have so much respect for because they came to Jacksonville and smacked Jacksonville around in the early beginning of this rivalry and gave us, a, you know, a good, like, hey, correction for us. Like, yo, you're not going to just walk around this league and say that you're the dominant organization. Right, right. And, yes, it's a rivalry. And what's cool about this rivalry is that it's a respectful rivalry. Both ownership groups respect each other. They respect each other, and on play, the teams hate each other. That's what a rivalry is supposed to be. You don't want two organizations groups that can't stand each other. Yeah, it builds up, you know, storylines and all. But um, this, unfortunately, because of the the Mason Mason Espinosa situation, the Craig Peterson situation, the hype for this game kind of fell um, over the last couple 48 hours, 72 hours. Um, and that, that's nothing to degrade towards Columbus. It's just that Jacksonville and the Jacksonville fan base really look forward to getting back at Mason, trying to get this thing ongoing and really establish something. And it's just, man, it just, it's such a big turn. Now, the question is, is for Columbus is if Darren Daniels comes in and it's the 2017 version of it, Columbus is going to be in a fighting game. This is a rivalry game. And yes. the historical name of rivalries for any sport, if it's Yankee, Red Sox, or or Tar Heels, uh, Blue Devils, or Steelers, Browns, whatever the rivalry is, whatever sport, throw the record books out, throw even the game out because there are upsets that happen in rivalries. This game, Jacksonville should win this game. They have the better roster. They have the better quarterbacks. But Columbus, their history, Coach Gibson, how he gets his team prepared, how that underdog role they thrive on, they can do it. This, I think, is going to be one of the lowest-scoring games in week one. Both teams barely hit 40 points. It comes down to the final drive. It comes down to a Brandon Bear field goal to win the game. I think the Jacksonville Sharks defeat the Columbus Lions week one, 44-42. Ooh, so this is the defensive matchup of the week for you. Yes. Okay. Um, I'll tell you what. I, I, I'm, I'll say it again. It, all, it comes down to me. How, how quickly up to speed can you get Darren Daniel? That, that's my main thing. Otherwise, you know, I, I trust, of course, Coach Gibson to get things in order. Um, Daniel, of course, being in Gibson's system previously, you could make an argument that he can get up to speed pretty quickly. Um, I'm going to play it safe on my end and say, I don't think, I think this will be a working out the kinks 
first game with the quick turnover that you have to do. I, Jacksonville has had their roster ready to go since they've come into training camp. They haven't had many things that are really turnover in terms of position that make you say, okay, this might affect things in terms of the overall game flow. I mean, Brandon Bear is the only main one coming back and taking over for where Mike Hollis is at, but Bear has been with the Sharks for several years now. That's that's really solidifying the position. That just makes it deadlier for deuces and for better kicks, um, which mainly is why I've got the Jacksonville Sharks winning. Uh, I think overall they have, their readiness here is going to propel them, but I think it's going to be – they're going to hit the hit a 50-burger. I think I'm going to put 52 to 40 for this one. Um, I think you're going to see flashes of Daniel getting back up to speed. I think they need, he needs another week, though. You know, Give him another week, in the, at least practicing, getting back up with his rot with at least the guys he's throwing it to. Um, I trust he knows, you know, of course, Gibson system, but different quarterbacks, you have to get different, of course, uh, chemistry built up when you have different receivers and different options. That's the thing I'm watching out for the most with Daniel. And that's kind of why I'm not fully on board in this scenario to take them over Jacksonville uh, Two score game is what's going to come down to Jacksonville. will pull it out probably midway through the fourth quarter. You have better, you have higher hopes than me, but Jacks will take care of business. <laughs> so, okay, I mean, hey, I, I just, I just know the history between the two teams. They're, oh, sure, I do too. They're, they're very competitive. I know you. I know why you do this. We did this last year. Same deal with you. Although credit completely different circumstances, unless things change in week one, because that was how it happened last year. This is this is my first time picking Jacksonville over Columbus since we launched this podcast. That's right. Last year, that, I that's, that's very right. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree with you about Darren. Um, one thing that's going to be beneficial for Columbus is next week they have San Antonio. So that could be a get right game. Uh, it could be. I'm not saying it's going to be. Could it could be. be. Yeah. It could be a get right. Well, watch, on what San Antonio, watch San Antonio come out this week against Orlando, smack him on the mouth. And then we go, all right, eating plenty of crow. We, week two, here we go. We will, we will accept the hate mail. We will accept DMs from you. We will accept comments from you. We may not reply to you, but yes, uh, we will. We will gladly accept crow from. Maybe I'll get a text from Hector saying, "Hey, Probably, what do you yeah. think of that?" <laughs> you know? Probably. Uh, but one thing I just gotta say, um, I want to say thank you to the National Marine League giving us uh, giving us our opportunity to break down the games in an official status. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to tell you, the fans, that week one's here. We'll be active on Twitter. Maybe not on Facebook a lot, um, giving you updates of news, scores, whatever. Um, not this week, even though game of the week for us is Carolina and the Albany Empire. Yep. Um, next week's games is when we start doing our live tweeting big time. Um, we'll tweet during the game, so we won't be MIA during Saturday's broadcast. Um, don't get mad at us about YouTube glitches and stuff. That's not our territory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Leave the we'll, tweets to us. That's all we're saying. We'll, we'll, we'll send that to the right person. Um, but, yeah, I want to just say to the fans and listeners out there and to our new colleagues of the National Green League, um, thank you. Let's get ready. Week one is here. 16 straight weeks of action. It's in Albany. And it could end in Columbus. Or Auburn, or Jackson, or where? That's the joy of the season. I'm glad the season's here, man. It's been a lot of speculation, as our good friend um, from the USFL podcast would say, uh, the speculation zone. So, the speculation <laughs> zone is done. 
the season is here. <laughs> now we get to see what these teams are all about. Folks, fans, teams that are listening in, it's time to kick ass. It's time to make one hell of a 2022 season. We're through the muck. Mm-hmm. We're on the other side. We are going to get back to a full experience at the stadiums and on broadcast with some exciting things ahead for the National Arena League. And I hope you join us for the ride. It's going to be a great time. I've been looking forward to this. I've been looking forward to see what all these teams can do, win together in a good scenario, a normal season scenario, to keep that all in mind. And we're finally going to see that this Saturday, all three games, 7 o'clock Eastern, flip through all of them, put all the screens on, whatever the heck you want to do. Tune into them, check them out. Should be a fun time, a blast, if you will. Well, folks, for my partner, my good friend, Jim Renyam, Zach Kyleman, saying so long. Thank you very much. Thank you to the National Arena League on my end for making us the official podcast of the NAL. And now, as the official podcast, Jim, remember one thing. Don't be a Jack Alex Box. Until next time, stay tuned, everyone.